When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From about 2007 to 2012, I was quite literally in the wine industry, mostly from the side of being a writer about the history and technicalities of wine growing. I loved it. The tail end of my career was spent as a producer for a wine radio show, which no doubt led directly to me having this podcast. I love wine. I love wine growers, and I love wine sellers. I could never understand why people hated the wine industry. And then I read Sideways. Greetings, Attic Wives, and welcome to Fuckboys of Literature. I'm your host, Emily Edwards. Rex Pickett's 2004 bestseller-turned-academy award-winning film encapsulates everything that is wrong with the wine industry, and perhaps every niche group of obsessive fans, whether it be DC Comics, video games, or glorified grape juice, there are people who take it just too damn far Today, we pour one out for them. With me today is screenwriter Delandra Mesa. How the hell are you? I am great. I'm so psyched to talk about wine, to talk about fuckboys, <laughs> to talk about Santa Inez. Oh my gosh. It was, it was the first book that I've read for this actual podcast where I got about 20% through and on my Kindle and I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't know if I can finish this. These men are awful. <laughs> well, wait, when was the book published? Because it's, it was, it's yeah, it was published very- in 2004, which judging by the rent prices that Miles is paying for a Santa Monica house, this was written well before 2004. It feels very 90s in the way yeah. that guys talk to each other and the way that they talk about women in general. It just is a yeah. very 90s vibe. It really does. Um, like, I believe you're also in Los Angeles. Am I yes. correct? Yes. Okay. So at, at some point in the introduction, how I clued into the fact that this might have been sitting on a shelf for a little while was that Miles was paying for, I believe, a two-bedroom house in Santa Monica was paying $850 a month in rent, and he couldn't afford it. And I thought to myself, this is not of my time and place. Not quite. Yeah. I mean, because I'm trying to think, when I moved down here, it was like 2004, Mm-hmm. And um, I'm trying to think, yeah, because even then, that was still, that would have been a pretty good price. Yeah, yeah. Like really I moved price. here in 2006, and my first apartment was a two-bedroom apartment in Beachwood Canyon. So for people who don't know, that's clear on the opposite side of the city. It's in Hollywood. And I was paying $1,400 a month for a two-bedroom apartment in Hollywood. So yeah, I'm like, this isn't mm-hmm. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's totally 90s. And the attitude is very 90s too, uh, just in terms of like men are manly men and yeah. 
And that's what we're mostly concerned with. And we're concerned with these like odysseys that men take to sort of fulfill their manliness. Um, Whereas now, I don't even, I don't know if anyone would be as interested now. Maybe in like a retro throwback way. Yeah. Like a remember this kind of book way. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I've been on like a bachelor or bachelorette like weekend or trip or anything like that. But I remember the last one I did go on, it was like a mutual, the married couple and all of our friends went to Vegas together. And it wasn't like a last hurrah of anything. It was just an excuse to go to Vegas. I don't think people do this anymore. The last hurrah is exactly what it is. And it feels very 70s too, in a way. I remember, I remember like stealing some book i don't can't remember if it was from the library or something my dad had stuffed into a shelf but it was like a sort of 70s man odyssey where it was just this dude like fucking his way through a weekend and this this book reminded me of the feel of that a lot and i wonder if he had read something similar to those things and was meaning this book almost as a throwback to that Possibly. I hope so. <laughs> like, like, a modern spin, you know, a modern man um, having that sort of um, fuck everyone uh, journey. Yeah. No, like referring to this as like a man odyssey is absolutely perfect because it is just so drippingly <sighs> faux masculine almost because like these guys, they're, they're, they're writers and they're actors and directors, which like, we know those folks and mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, we're just going to get chicks. And it's like, no, no, like it's, it, that's like such a pretense and such a mask that these guys are putting on that it seemed even more false than like just being out of date. I agree. Although I think in some ways it feels like the author understands that these guys are assholes. True. Um, although I, he's not unsympathetic to them. He's, he's, uh, and I think Miles is meant to be um, the sensitive one. Yeah. And in a lot of ways he is, but it, he still is not above, he's our narrator in this. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I was wondering, is this on purpose that Miles is meant to be this sort of unreliable narrator where through the lens of Miles, things are a little bit misogynistic and also very, very self-centered? Or is that Rex's, Rex uh, Pickett's voice? Um, I couldn't quite figure it out. And I was like, yeah. if the idea is that Miles is an unreliable narrator, then I, the feeling towards the book, I think, is a lot better. Yeah. I agree. I honestly couldn't tell for a, a good chunk of the book whether or not Miles was an author stand-in because, yeah. you know, Rex Pickett now, after the movie got made by Alexander Payne, he really, um, will politely say, read his own press releases and then, like, tried to pitch a sequel and even a third per- book in the series and just, like, really uh, tapped into how famous he was in the wine community. And that's how I kind of like knew him um, like second hand because he and my former boss in the wine industry were good friends. Hmm. So it was just kind of like he found a niche and he worked it hard. So I couldn't tell if he and Miles were the same or if he was honestly writing two fairly damaged men in the book like and separated. And I think in the end, I think he's, slightly separated from miles 
I think so too, just based on how other characters react to Miles, you know, Miles will kind of make these quips. He's the, he's the sardonic, hangdog, mm-hmm. sensitive artist, and he'll say these things and they're always very like uh, fluid in the way that he speaks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretentious myself, but he's pretentious to the point that you're just like, Jesus Christ. But the, yeah. other, characters, <laughs> the other characters will call him out you know, they'll say to him, like, Jesus, Miles, or like, calm down, Miles. And so that's why I thought, like, Rex, if it's not his voice, exactly, he at least understands that his that it's a ridiculous voice and a ridiculous point of view sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like I, the pretentiousness with the way that wine is described was the and the beauty of the San Ynez Valley was just um, like the worst of the worst of what people think people who like wine actually are. And it was so jarring to read this and just go like, I, I hope to God I never sounded like that. Oh my God, I hope I never sounded like that. I mean, it starts off with this scene of him hitting on a woman at a wine tasting. And he, then he's immediately turned off because she said she liked the Merlot. Mm-hmm. And- and he's just like, I can't, I can't get into it. Yeah. So yeah, it, it right off the bat starts off with like, this is Miles's flaw. He's a pretentious person and he thinks he's better than everyone else, even yeah. though he's a loser. I mean, you know, he's, he's not. such a loser. <laughs> Although it's funny because when I first read it, I was a lot younger. I think I read it when the book, when the, the movie came out. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm a professional writer who's between gigs. I'm divorced and I like wine. And so I could relate to him a lot. Yeah. More. Feeling when you're just kind of like in your own brain and you do end up obsessing over things and mm. it might be to the point of alienation of, of other people and you start to, you know, worry a little bit, but also it brings you so much joy. So why should you stop? Well, it's like wine is all he has. That's all he has. He doesn't have a good relationship with his mother his marriage mm-hmm. ended and it was his own fault because he cheated on her mm-hmm. and his book his book is going nowhere and <sighs> he's not even sure that his own friend likes him or wants him at his wedding even though he's best man so it feels like the only thing miles has to hold on to as something that he can be superior about is why yeah. And they, yeah. and I will say the author does a good job of really front loading that for you. So you understand because even at the beginning, like there's a bar fight in that same tasting sequence, mm-hmm. and, but he's not even the one who does anything. It's the woman who's just a friend who he's talking to, who like upends the spit jar over someone's Yeah, head. the spit bucket on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All he does is get upset that, you know, I think it was like Malibu Jim or something like that. He calls him <laughs> that like he was he he walked he was walking away the, with the trophy woman that Miles had wanted. And it was just but barely wanted because, again, he thought he was better than her because he liked a different varietal. And so you're just Miles is so frustrating in this age of like heightened awareness of toxic masculinity where he has to feel superior to everybody but underneath he feels inferior to everybody yeah he can't get along with anyone for any amount of time mostly because he's so self-centered at the time he's just wallowing in it and then it's sort of followed by then jack enters and jack even though jack is much more the bigger asshole 
than yeah. Miles is in terms of how he treats women and how he just treats people in general. Um, he does feel like a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Because Miles is just so like navel gazy. That's perfect way to describe him. You know, it's nice to have someone come in and just be like, fuck it. Let's buy a case of it. Let's hit the road. Yeah. Yeah. Open the champagne in the car. Let's go. Yeah. Someone who actually enjoys being alive. Right. (laughs) I, I don't know, even after so many years of living here, I don't know how accurate IMDb trivia is. And perhaps as a screenwriter, you know much better than I do. But my favorite thing about uh, the trivia on the Sideways movie is that apparently, according to IMDb, Alexander Payne, the director, read this book on a plane, got off, called his agent, said, I need the rights to this because the characters are all so pathetic. And I was like... Absolutely accurate. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. It is true. All of them really, even the women, even though the women are nicer and sort of, well, but they're, but they're also portrayed from an outside. There's no attempt to really get into their heads. Yeah. Maya a little bit, but um, I don't know. Tara never. Tara never. Also, I was wondering about all the names. I was wondering whether the names are super symbolic. Because when I think about Tara, I think about terroir, mm-hmm. uh, which is like the taste of where the the wine came from. Mm-hmm. That's the perfect way to describe it. It's how w- the environment in which grapes are grown, how that influences the final product. Sorry not to be a major wine nerd for a second. No. And then I was thinking about Maya. I was like, where does Maya come from? Is that supposed to be like May? Is that supposed to be Maya as in a Latino sort of reference? I couldn't get a handle on what yeah no that's a good point because even though um he wholly and completely like commodifies and objectifies the women in in that miles runs across um he really didn't go into their ethnicities particularly which like you know uh, uh women of hispanic or latino descent are very very you know prevalent in the wine community it, mm-hmm. it, all up and down, especially in California. But, and he describes her as like curvy and dark haired, but he doesn't really go into whether or not she could be Latina. Yeah. So I couldn't figure, I couldn't tell if it was just Maya as in mine, or if it was meant yeah. to the month of May, or what, or whether it was just meant to be like another sort of of the earth sound. Like Maya feels like a very earthy name, almost yeah. like a goddess. Yeah, I think after they hook up much later in the book, spoiler alert, um, he he makes a reference to her being a goddess and like almost like a sun goddess. And that's kind of what had connected for me is that like maybe he was thinking of it in like the, the you know, ancient Mayans mm-hmm. sort of context, yeah. but I honestly don't know. Yeah, I think the goddess aspect is probably the closest. And then Jack, to me, is very, first of all, it's like a very American, like, um, almost declarative type of name. Mm-hmm. And it, he likes to have, he likes to fuck. So it's a very Jack, you know, it's a very sexual. Yeah. Uh, it's an action name. Yeah. yeah, it's an active, sexual, like, virile sounding name. And then Miles, I think, 
I think is a, like a Robert Frost reference. I think it's a like miles to go before I sleep. Ah, I because like that. To me, like when someone says like, hello, my name is Miles, I expect them to be like a really pompous NYU professor. Um, so like, I just imagine like the name Miles and the fact that he came from like a very wealthy family in Montecito, like it just felt very much like someone who is going to grasp for all those social status things that he does actually grasp for. And it, it just felt, he just felt like he was born to be pretentious with that name. Yeah, that's true. Sorry to anybody named Miles who's actually listening. Like, uh, I admit that I have a very plain name, so maybe I'm just jealous that you have something with a little bit of character. I know some very artistic, very down-to-earth Mileses, but this was not one of them. No, no, this guy's kind of monstrous. And, you know, the way that he, it, it's hard because I am reading this, you know, 15 years after the movie came out. So there's no erasing Paul Giamatti from like my brain of reading mm -hmm. this. And, you know, so he does have that sort of just like sad bulldoggy kind of way about him. And there's nothing you can do to erase the fact that like Miles is just fucking miserable. And he, you know, it's partially like he pops Xanax throughout the entire book. So like it's partially that he probably does have some sort of like clinical depression or, you know, other kind of mental issue, which like who doesn't? But he's just so committed to being horrible <laughs> yeah he's like um he's just one of these guys who they have to fuck up their own lives they have to yeah. do it. they can't just go with what's easy and i think that's why jack does make a good foil for him in a lot of ways because jack is definitely let's do what's easy let's do what's fun and miles is just so like introspective he's so depressed um mm -hmm. and he's so like up his own butt about everything he really is i read this on my kindle and like the first thing i literally like highlighted was he was talking about some bottle of wine and he goes his jeremiads were worthy of job and their intent was to make me feel guilty and scrape together the 850 to oh no he's talking about paying his rent his oh, you yeah. know and his landlord is like griping at him about like you know, the pain and suffering of this guy not paying his rent. And he's like, his Jeremiads were worthy of Job and their intent was to make me feel guilty and scrape together the $850 in question. And I was like, you literally just casually dropped Jeremiads. And also he's not trying to guilt you. You signed a fucking contract that you have to pay this guy $850 a month. This isn't a sob story. No, everyone's trying to make Miles feel bad all the time, according to him. So yeah. on one hand, while it makes him sort of an annoying character, I know a lot of guys like this. I know, me too. Who just cannot help but fuck their lives up over and over and over again. And just always just seem to like, it's just their pattern. They just go head first into whatever the wrong decision is. And Miles, yeah. so in some ways, even though I agree with you, like he's not a nice person. He's not, I, I've met people just like him. Um, so to me, it was fairly accurate and I can relate to this sense of, did I fuck up my own life and yeah. now is my life salvageable? Can I make it through this period between, you know, being paid to write and mm -hmm. uh, especially, I think a lot of writers feel like this, um, 
I can't do anything else. You know, like, yeah, I'm I, completely with you. I've never sold, I have yet to date to sell something. So I'm just like, oh God, <laughs> like, did I just like royally fuck up at like 17 when I decided to be a writer and I've been working for this for like the past 20 some odd years? Like, did I just like shoot myself in the foot from the very beginning? It's terrifying. But you can't, I've held many jobs. I've held, I've done teaching, I've done costume sewing, I've done, yeah. you know, I've done yeah. a lot of I've done, um, you know, work in restaurants. I've done all kinds of jobs, um, office work. And I just can't, I'm not as good at anything as I am, um, writing and I'm not, and, and I don't get paid as much to do anything yeah. as I do to write. And so it is this sort of like, when you realize that that's, that is your main thing that you might be able to make money from it's kind of a sad moment because it's also there's no writing job that's easy to do it's true <laughs> so true like there's no easy money to be made from being a writer and making stuff up out of your own head no it's not it's always a hustle it's a job that requires you even if you're successful for a period of time that period mm -hmm. ends, and then you have to hustle to remain relevant and to like sort of stay in the game and get your next gig and you're hustling yeah. against a whole town and a whole country a whole world full of other people trying yeah. to do the same thing whereas if i had ended up being good at math if only I could have been, well, I guess, you know, I always go like, oh, if only I could have been a computer programmer, but even they're kind of writers and fucked from the general beginning because there's just so many of them now. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I guess what always surprised me though about Miles is that the way he is shown to approach his work is very passive. You know, he's not out there like writing another book. He just wrote one or finished one like a year ago and he's just been waiting. And that's like the most tense thing to me because like you can't be stagnant with these kinds of stuff. You always have to be working on something. Mm, I hadn't thought about it before, but maybe that's also another reference to sort of wine being stored. Um, yeah. They talk a lot about wines that have been stored for too long. And oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, I, I just thought of it as you were you were saying that um, just that it's about like wines that that have peaked in the yeah. bottle and that you miss that moment of their peak and that then it's too late. And then after that, they begin to lose that magic that they have. And I think it's I actually am not a big believer in people and artists peaking and Me never work after they're 25 or whatever. I don't really believe that. I think most artists get better and they just go a little more undercover, you know, with their, yeah. they, don't, they don't want to be out in the spotlight and they don't have to be. So they just don't. But um, I think it's the main thing that Miles is worried about is that he has already peaked and that he has, you know, stored himself sideways for too long. Yeah. No, I, I had never put that together. And also like the, the name that you just mentioned, the fact that it's called sideways and they use, a, use it as a euphemism for drunk. But when you store wine, you have to store it on its side. So there you go. Um, why and is that? Just, do, you, do you know why it has to be stored on its side? I don't know. 
I do. Um, I'm going to geek out at you for just a second because I never get to talk about this kind of stuff anymore. Great. Um, what it is, is you have to store it on its side and preferably actually angled down towards the cork. And that's because cork is a natural material and it dries out. So you actually use the water in the wine to keep the cork from drying out. And so your wine doesn't spoil. Basically, that's the main reason. I did not know that. And I've totally been putting, because I have a slanted wine rack mm -hmm. and I've been doing it the wrong way. I got to go switch on my wine bottles. It takes a pretty long time for this to happen. So if you have been storing your wine incorrectly, you can fix it. And also, small tip, always make sure to keep your wine out of the sunlight because that will kill it dead fast. Yeah. Um, also, um, none of my wine stays around long enough to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other really good point it's just like most of us do not have the means or desire to collect wine i think it's stupid i mean if you have a lot of money then i think great go for it why not i i suppose yeah. investment as much as a handbag is I have to say, though, like, this might be like a totally weird thing to mention. But like, while I was reading this, Miles name drops constantly. He goes well out of his way to name drop brands and like of wine. And the funny thing to me is that he never name drops anything, even from the San Inez Valley, anything that's really prestigious. And I just thought that was hilarious. Like he's not even as well red in wine as he thinks yeah it's like someone asking you to name designer clothes and you just go like gucci prada louis vuitton and it's like yeah everybody knows who that is you know what i mean it's like right. he's not even he's name dropping stuff that you would find on the expensive shelf at the grocery store but not stuff that you have to like subscribe to years in advance and might not have a label and isn't sold in stores and stuff like that it's all just like the stuff you know is expensive. Yeah, and I don't know whether that's because the author didn't, like that is the depth of his wine knowledge or whether he um, was trying to be more relatable for people who are yeah. reading. Um, yeah. But either way, it is interesting and sort of that's a funny thing about Miles too. Well, it's also in the 90s when I suspect this was written, yeah. it was cool to have guys talk at you, I guess, about mm -hmm. the things that they were experts in and it was cool to have some opinion that was you know the i hate merlot i yeah, hate exactly what everyone, what everyone else likes i hate that that was like considered kind of cool i guess <laughs> yeah thank god not really anymore or at least we can god. tell you when you're being a pretentious dick oh my god if i have to hear one more guy talk to me about like you guys why are we on our phones all the time it's like wow revolutionary thought you had <laughs> <laughs> it's because we have to carry around a tiny computer in order to work and if it takes us longer than 10 minutes to like answer an email we're screwed professionally that's why we're on our phones all the time but also it's such a boring point of view i've been to so many dinner parties please any men listening to this they already left probably but if you're they probably did our male readership is <laughs> listenership is not high but but if you're listening please stop telling women that you think technology is evil and you hate like people on their phones all the time and you hate streaming services it's like yes we've heard this before you're very clever you're very different thank you good night yes you're you are so esoteric. Congratulations. Congratulations. We're very impressed with how different you are from society. Thank you. Yay! Round of applause. 
<laughs> so you haven't been to Santa Inez, right? Um, I have, but not extensively. I lived in Ojai for a year, which is like Ooh. on the bottom sort of outskirts of it. It was a very weird experience. Um, so I've gone up there a couple times, but I haven't traveled up there a lot. But you're familiar with it, correct? Yeah, I've been there a few times and it's really pleasant. It's a very pleasant um you can take the trip out in just a few hours because it's north of Santa yeah. Barbara from LA. And within a few hours, it really is, he says over and over again in the book that it feels like you're just in a completely different world than Los Angeles. And it really does feel like that. And it's sort of yeah. tucked away. It's not as pricey as some of the other bigger, better known wine regions. And there's some really mm -hmm. fun just places to go and have fun with your friends and taste wine. I didn't know anything about wine before I took my first trip there. And now, and it, I think taking a wine tasting trip is the best way to learn about wine. Oh, absolutely. And it's nice if it's in sort of the region where you live, because then you can sort of always go back there and you can also find these bottles a lot of the times in stores in LA. Yeah, that's true. That's one of the nicest things about living in California and really the West Coast is that the, the wine distribution laws are not particularly strict. You can find like all sorts of really still, like cool stuff. Um, sorry to all of New England. You get none of this and I apologize. That's so sad. I do. So that's the parts that I like. I liked I like reading the book as sort of a travel log, which it is meant to be. It is. To a fault, almost. There's a, a, I don't know why he made it a full week that they stay there. I know, which like no one can spend a week in Santa Inez. It's not that big. It's not that big, and it's pricey. If you're getting blasted and buying that many cases yeah. every day, it's just a lot. And also, um, they don't do like there's whole days that they just kind of like go to Hearst Castle, go golfing. Yeah. Um, and it's like, what? That takes what? Four hours? What did you do with the other 20 hours of your day? Like, and argue, I guess, and drink in their hotel rooms. They kind of have the same conversations over and over and over again. And I feel like the book could have been about half as long as it is yeah. because they have these like long scenes. Like, there's this, um, the boar hunting scene. They oh go, my God. <laughs> where they go hunting like supposedly boar hunting with this like local who of course anyone who's not miles miles describes as either a hick fat mm -hmm. um yep stupid. all women are fat unless he wants to have sex with them and it's just like glaringly obvious everyone's fat nobody has enough teeth like everyone except for miles and his friends are hideous like um yeah all people who just sort of like clump around but anyway so they meet this like hideous hick that lives there and um he takes them boar hunting and there's like an um like a twist that happens in the boar hunting but what stood out was that it was super boring even with it was even with the action, because they just kept saying the same thing a hundred times in a row. It was like, what's he doing? He's shooting at us. He's not shooting at boars. He's shooting at us. And literally for probably 10 or 15 pages, they have this revelation. It's so boring. I was like, is this it's what so men boring. like? It's so boring. <laughs> I, that brings me out to another thing that I kind of like found appalling with this. And maybe it was closer to the fact of like this book was not written 
past the millennia. But like the way that they attacked other men, because they get into like five fist fights. And I'm like, first of all, people don't really do that in Southern California. And especially like up there in wine country where like everybody's rich, unless right. you're like, you know, a local farmer or whatever. Like they get into these fist fights and the things and the threats that they tell other people are horrifying. Just yeah. like absolutely brutally disgusting things that I'm not even going to repeat. But like the language that they use when they're attacking people is terrifying. I'm like, whoa, holy crap. How can you position yourself as the nice guy if you're threatening like sexual violence on people's moms? Jack threatens to rape someone every other page. Every yeah. other page, he's talking about it. And again, I guess it's supposed to be part of his whole virile shtick, but it was really weird when they're that same guy who they went boar hunting with. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he's like, Have you ever seen Deliverance? We're going to deliverance you. Like, do you need to stick your penis into everything? Everything. <laughs> you don't need and to. It's and it's so funny that like I don't know how this casting came about but when they made the movie they made it Thomas Hayden Church who mm -hmm. was Lloyd on wings and just like the nicest dude in the world and here he is he's just like fucking his way through the valley and I'm just like oh my god you're so reprehensible and awful it's like one of those things it, it's not a bad thing to to fuck your way through the valley in general like when he when he had sex with the waitress she was into it, you know. That's true. That's like, very true. The the pancake, or was it a steakhouse or something? The waitress. Yeah, it was like a chop house or something like that. Well, oh, no, it was the Greek restaurant. The Greek yeah. restaurant waitress. And she, of course, was too fat for Miles to, to consider to be attractive, as everyone yeah. knows. But, um, you know, she was into it. She wanted to do the whole, I'm fucking around and cuckolding my husband bit. And she mm -hmm. liked it. And so in that, I'm like, I applaud that. You know, that's great. Yeah. But it's just the lying to the women that becomes the main Yeah, thing. yeah. Wow. And, and even at the end, when, you know, Miles is dancing with Jack's new wife at the wedding, and he's, she's like, did he sleep with anybody? And he's like, no, 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 I wouldn't let him do that. And she basically winks at him and says, well, we're even if he did. So, like, that's part of their relationship, that they fuck around on each other. Which, I mean, I think if it was written now, it would be, there would probably be more of an open relationship aspect to it. Yeah. I think because... Yeah. As we're theorizing, it was written probably uh, in the 90s. It just was more unusual and wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And like you said, it's part of this very old-fashioned, like, I have to get this out of my system before I'm I'm hitched. Oh, that's the other thing. They, they talk to each other. The way they talk is like how Stephen King writes the kids yes. talking to each other in It. It's all <laughs> true. It's all very, like, 1950s kids talking to each other because it's like... Um, uh, yeah, he's getting hitched two weeks from Sunday. We're going to stuff him in a monkey suit. Yeah. What? <laughs> Let's what? go down to the soda fountain and get some malteds. Like, who speaks like this? They, that's how they talk to each other. And again, I can't tell. I was like, maybe this is a really funny, like, sort of critique of the way that men have this affect when they talk to each other, that the very above yeah like patting each other on the back kind of shit i was like i don't know maybe if i was a man in the 90s i would be like oh ho ho this is very clever satire of that but i don't know i, 
I don't know. The other thing that was really jarring is just that they are both, you know, expressly written as as Caucasian. And the fact that Jack obsessively calls Miles like brother and homes and stuff like that, it's so offensive now. And I just irritating. It's so irritating. Yeah, the, I was thinking today about how he just kept calling him Holmes. Again, it's very 90s. Like It's so what? early. But that's like 92. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's so early 90s. It's not 99. It's definitely 92. No. <laughs> it was just like this weird like youth affectation. Like, I kept reading these guys as like my dad's age. And yeah. Like, not to be blunt, but like my dad's dead. Like that's how old he is. Like 65, 67. Like, like the, these guys were like affecting like mannerisms that my dad used to do to try to look cool when I was a kid. And it was just so blatantly gross and weird. It's funny because I just looked over at the book. I have it next to me right now. And it's the pull quote on it says, a buddy novel in the cinematic vein of Swingers. Um, Which is funny because I was just thinking about that when I was like, they almost talk like these guys from the 50s. um, Which again was very 90s. This sort of look and sort of at the 50s. So maybe that's where that comes from. Oh, yeah. You know what? They even, when Jack first walks into the tasting room, Miles describes him as wearing his, his like uniform, which was a black bowling shirt. Lame. They totally saw swingers. <laughs> yeah. They saw, he saw swingers and then he went on a trip, a wine trip. Maybe he saw swingers during the wine trip. Yeah. And, and that's where this novel was born. And he had to yeah. go to Hearst Castle so by God, we have to go to Hearst Castle. Yeah, exactly. It's a uh, God. I hope no one was cheating on their wives at that point. Like, well, they might have been. Yeah. I mean, even I just looked it up really fast. Like, John Favreau is fifty three, and like now, so like you know, not a spring chicken. I think Rick's Pickett's a little bit older. Hmm. But yeah, I, I have that feeling. Again, I have that feeling of um, that I also sometimes get. I love Stephen King, but sometimes when I'm reading his stuff, it's like people who don't have that many friends trying to write what yeah. they what they think friends talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have to admit, when I was in college, I wrote like I wrote something, and my professor was just like, "No one actually talks like that." And someone raised their hand, where they were like. Emily actually talks like that. Don't you'll soon learn as the semester goes on. Like Emily has a really weird cadence. She doesn't speak like normal people. And I was like, thank you for coming to my defense, but Hey, (laughs) well, I'm, I'm the same. I recently came to the realization that I'm a nerd. Um, It should have been clear from the beginning, (laughs) but for whatever reason, I had a block on that. And, uh, and, and like so many things fell into place. I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. And it's actually a great thing. If you if you've never realized your own type, like who you like, who your archetype is, if you've never realized it before, realizing it is very freeing in some ways, because it's sort of like, oh, that's why I'm not good at, you know, exactly. at friends. That's why sometimes I'm awkward with people. That's why I go into these long tangents and everyone gets bored and glazed over. 
because I'm the only time I connected with Miles was when he was at the final tasting and he's like it's crowded and I'm having a panic attack and I was like me too buddy me too a hundred percent that tasting did sound horrendous the is that the one that was at Fest Parker yeah I've been to a couple of them and they I do not recommend them they are an absolute waste of money they are terrifying it sounded scary I didn't like it I mean I did like Miles's arc overall I thought was yes well done yeah I I don't know how I feel about Maya kind of like coming to be by his side at the end because there's you know I someone tweeted the other day and I saw this and they were like how come whenever I watch movies that were made in the 90s and specifically romantic comedies people are like in serious relationships even to the point of living with someone but they still go on dates with other people like what is this weird like Gen X like concept of fidelity and that came to my brain when I was reading of like Maya is pissed at Miles for like hiding the fact that Jack's about to get married and he's like screwing her best friend but like she doesn't really hold it against him she never goes like it was actually your responsibility to say something well I guess because the author gave her gave her a twist that's not in the movie yeah of her having been paid to sleep with Miles and it's funny because it came right after they have this like hedonistic hot tub wine sort of couple scene that is probably the most um like graphic sexually that the novel gets into and it's complete wine nerd boy like you know it is yeah wine over it's like someone asking their girlfriend to put on a princess leia bikini but like with wine yes exactly and so i was just like this is a little i it took me out of it because I was like, this is so over the top for the Maya that yeah, we've weird. seen thus far. It just seems so weird and like aggressive uh, and just completely out of character for her. So then it does make sense when I actually thought was like, oh, and she said, actually, your friend paid me to sleep with you. Not that I didn't want to sleep with you, but he gave me a little incentive. I thought yeah, exactly twist. I mean, I think the in the author's head it was meant to like absolve miles a little bit like oh she had a secret too but it was an interesting it was actually an interesting like class um because you know these women are in service roles to the men like literally they're servers and so it was this interesting like if a rich guy offered you a thousand dollars to sleep with a guy who you already wanted to sleep with like yeah you take that money or not I thought was interesting but then what I didn't like is then literally uh Miles forgives him in like two pages yeah yeah he never holds anything against Jack for more than like yeah like maybe a couple hours and he literally blames his ex-wife constantly even though he's the one who ruined their marriage (laughs) exactly exactly um yeah I couldn't quite figure out like how old they were when they had gotten married, but he said the marriage lasts like eight years and he spent a good chunk of it cheating on her and like really like desirously coveting other women to the point where he admits that he used to like drive past his mistress's apartment and like stare in her windows, hoping to see her and stuff like that. And then when he describes his ex-wife, he's like, she was the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. I covet her like longingly. And it's like, 
whoa, ooh, this is uncomfortable. Yeah, and yet he kind of hated her at the same time. The way he spoke about her was sometimes really rapturous and sometimes like, I hate her, which is very Miles. And I will say one of the strengths of this, uh, the novel actually has, I think, a lot of strengths. I mean, there's a lot about it that feels dated, but um, I think the characters, like the way that they're etched out, the two men is like, I see, I have seen men like this. I understand. It's interesting to get a peek into their thought process. But, and I think that the novel does let Miles just wallow in being a real prick. And, lets him be at fault a lot and you know what i wish is was a little different about the ending is like that he hadn't forgiven his friend so readily that maybe he hadn't yeah. the wedding that maybe you know that he had really like taken offense more at you paid off the girl that i was romantically interested in to for like a while like he's yeah. known maya and had the hots for her for like years mm-hmm and she's great, you know, as far as like he's concerned, she's she's very patient. I, I mean, I, what I thought was unrealistic is like if I saw a guy and we were out on a date and he literally got so drunk that he fell over during the date, it just, I can't. Yeah, that's a, that's a deal breaker. For me, it is. But like I said, I'm a dork. So for me, it's very aesthetic, you know, in terms yeah. of like. Um, I don't know. I just wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it if some guy was stumbling drunk, literally stumbling and falling out of his chair. And also that's right after he leaves like a double date that he's on to go and drunk dial his ex-wife. Right. And she know. and Maya knows that. Maya knows yeah. that he called his wife. So to me, that's sort of like, that would be the end of that. Um, yeah. Especially because it, it's, it's really depicted that Maya is a lust object for literally everybody who comes across her. But conversely, that means she has her pick of anybody she comes across. And like that sort of, um, you know, it's Miles calling to like hit on this woman, but he never considers the other side that like she can definitely do better than him. A hundred percent. It almost makes me concerned for her why is she so fixated on miles like what sort of weird cyclical self-loathing does she have that she's so attracted to a guy who is so clearly hitting his rock bottom yeah yeah like he he he's got nowhere to go but up but that's not a good enough reason to try to heal someone with your vagina like that's just not how adult relationships work that's why i feel like in many ways, the ending of it, the way that it's portrayed is very much a male fantasy of a yeah. woman who will come and see what's good about me through, you know, my bad behavior and through my sort of self-loathing that she'll be able yeah. to raise me up. And it's something that I can't tell clearly or not whether the author is sort of critiquing that about Miles or not. Like he allows him a happy ending, but does the author really believe that this is a good relationship that's going to take off. I don't know. 
I don't know because like the last line of it is, you know, they're discussing Jack's wedding and he's made reference to the fact that like Jack's wife Babs is super wealthy and Jack has a lot of money. And then the wedding that he talks about is like, he only talks about it in, in monetary terms of that, you know, it's a six figure shindig. She's wearing a custom Dior dress, like and all this stuff. And then the way that Maya gets miles away from this place is that she links arms with him and says, we don't belong here. And that's just like a really interesting way of like positioning that Miles isn't of these people of just like this monetary thing, which is such like a masculine way of denoting what group you're a part of. It's very like, let's go be starving artists together. We're bohemians. They can't understand us, you know, which is in its, in its own way, its own pretension. Yeah. Like he's an unpublished writer and she's a waitress with half a book. Like, wow. Yeah. You know, like, let's go, let's go. They'll never understand us. It's like, okay, I guess. (laughs) And I'm like, maybe you might want to be nicer to your friend who like just offered you $10,000 with no strings attached. Like you might be able to use that. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. And also this whole thing about like, and now this is the moment where I say goodbye to Jack and our, and our friendship will never be the same. Um, The author does something interesting where, when Miles expresses something like that effect to Jack, the Jack is very taken aback by it, you know? Yeah, he cries, like, openly. And part of me wonders, I mean, I think Miles, the character, takes it as confirmation of that, but I don't know that the author necessarily meant that to be like, oh, yeah, Jack agrees this will be the end of their friendship. And it, I read it more as, like, Jack is sad that his friend is so like nihilistic yeah absolutely i took it as the same thing of like jack is insulted that miles doesn't want to be his friend anymore you know like at some point they're fighting and he catches jack like screwing someone else and miles says like i'm just gonna get you to your wedding and be done with you forever and jack is like really honestly like silenced and shocked and miles is like see finally got him and it's so petty (laughs) Yeah, I wished in some way that rather than focusing on the romance at the end, that it had really been about their relationship healing and about them entering some new phase of their friendship. Yeah, I thought it was going to be that after Miles gets his final book rejection and he just completely loses coherence and Jack saves him basically from drowning in the ocean and then he pulls him out and Miles is shivering because the ocean up there is freezing and Jack literally just holds him until he warms up like in a very way that like manly men do not do and Miles is just like so long fuck face at the end and it's just like oh my god you do not realize how many times Jack is actually actually saved your ass and you don't care I don't I almost wonder I'd be interested to like speak to the author and ask him whether that that ending is sort of his choice or whether that was something editors talked him yeah that's a really good point because I wonder if they were like no no it's all about the romance but it needs to be all about the bromance yeah I know that uh, Pickett wrote a second book and he self-published it. So I might actually pick it up soon and read it because that revolves around Miles actually selling a book and becoming a best-selling author. So I wonder if Mm -hmm. once he gets success, he's comfortable going back to Jack and uh, apologizing or rekindling some kind of relationship because the way he handles... You know, I'm not saying Jack was generous, but Jack generally had like 
positive feelings towards Miles and Miles just, you know, turns a cold shoulder to it. It's sad because you can see what his relationship with Maya is going to be like. Because I can't, I mean, Miles could not ask for a more loyal friend to him than Jack. I mean, Jack is a dickhead. Don't get me wrong. Oh, Jack's horrible. He's, he's, he's not a nice, he's not like a great person, especially towards women. But um, he's definitely loyal to Miles. And he's sort of relentlessly like, I love you, man. I love you, man. I love you, man. And Miles almost never returns that sentiment and in fact fights against it. And it's just like, all I can see is him sabotaging this relationship with Maya. The way he's just sabotaged his his best friendship. Yeah. 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 Now, you know, having this story without any women would have been so incredibly interesting and groundbreaking. Yeah, I wonder really if that's what he was going for and then other people angled in the romance angle or not. I read read a little bit about how there was supposed to be actually this, like now, there was supposed to be a uh, sideways musical um, that it was going into... um, I forget what they call it. It's like trying to become like they put the show together and then they're trying to sort of oh like previews. Yeah, like previews, like proving that we could be on Broadway. If that was supposed to be yeah. out right now, and um, in- obviously because of COVID, they can't do it. Obviously, which is kind of sad because I don't know. I liked the movie and stuff. It'd be interesting to see yeah. how they updated it. And um, and anyway, so Rex Pickett wrote the 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 book for the play. Oh. And he, well, not the, the musical, because there is another play <laughs> that's based on it. This, is different. this would be the musical. And he wrote it. And what he said is he had like a female director who he was working with. And he said that he was excited for a woman to get her hands into the story because he felt like he wanted a woman who would focus on the romance in the story. And that he felt like the book was not like a boy's being boys type story that it was about like a romance it was about Mm -hmm. heartfelt transformations so in his point of view I think he thought the heart of it what were these like relationships Um, interesting and I don't know whether he originally was like yeah there's going to be romance or not but it's interesting Yeah, because the romance between the men was just compelling, like in a very weird way, in a way that I'm not usually privy to. And I, I would love to get more of that. And I hope I hope it exists. I do, too. And and I will say, I, I agree with you that the the movie did a really great job of casting these characters. Yeah. Even, even though I don't think they necessarily looked like what the book describes them as, but it, they, the casting really captured, I think, the spirit of what the characters were supposed to be. And um, it was really all I could see was Paul Giamatti, just like you. That's it. And so I think that those casting decisions really, I don't know, they give me like a warmth in the book um, mm-hmm. that I'm not completely sure was totally there especially for the women I just don't think we're given enough of their minds yeah yeah I I mean like really quickly like the fact that 
Tara in the book is the one who's hooking up with Jack and she's described as this like super hot little blonde. And then it's Sandra O oh in the, in the movie, mm-hmm. which, and apparently uh, Rex Pickett wasn't super keen on the fact that like Sandra O oh made her like a single mom and, you know, like, like a little bit more independent than Tara was. Yeah. But, but the way that he wrote Tara, I feel like was so pathetic yeah it was just like she was so head over heels for jack and seemed to have nothing going on in her life except for him and yeah, which like grown women don't really do after two nights yeah that that was the other weird thing i mean i guess i can see it but then i'd need to know what that is i mean that's why it makes more sense if it's like well i don't know i'm a single mom um, yeah might as well just like have a frolic and then just like it hurts your feelings because i know like when she finds out that jack's getting married in the movie she beats the snot out of him with her motorcycle helmet and i was like yeah that's how like you react if you're just like having a fling with a guy and he doesn't tell you you're married like you don't lose your you don't go like oh but i loved you we were going to build a future together because that's not how relationships work after three days but you can get pissed that he's using you in in this manner yeah, and I guess that's why I think that's really the only reason why the trip is a week rather than just a weekend. Is yeah. You have some, it doesn't seem completely insane that Tara cares that much about yeah, after a couple of days. Just passing through, it seems odd that she would. Um, I know that he was supposedly telling her, like, oh, I love you and all this stuff, but literally you've only known him a week. Like, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't imagine any grown grown woman actually believing any of those things. Um, yeah, it's just interesting. Tara, unfortunately, is not fleshed out very well. Yeah, know. or compassionately. Yeah, I mean, she does freak out. It's it's a different way than in the movie, though. It's yeah, she like shoots at him. She shoots time. at him. It's kind of funny. But, but admittedly, Jack does not serve her up to the cops. He gets her out before the cops show up. And I was like, oh, that's nearly gentlemanly. Good for you. Looking out for her, you know. Yeah. He doesn't want her to go to jail. Yeah. I mean, it was interesting. In some ways, like you said, the guys are awful. But it's interesting that, like, Jack goes through these moods where he feels like maybe he does feel like he's in love with her like maybe i will move up here i will do all that stuff i mean it was interesting that when maya is saying to miles you know he shouldn't have lied to her that miles is like well in his defense he didn't think they were lies he believed them the moment that he said them and again i know people like that it's true it's true well on that note, I have to say this was an absolutely fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for reading this like mini train wreck of a book <laughs> and talking about it with me. I really appreciate it. I loved it. I would read it outside with a glass of wine. And honestly, if that's how you're, it, there's there's way worse ways to spend an afternoon. Absolutely. Uh, Delandra, how can everybody keep in contact with you and your work? Okay. Well, mostly if I'm doing work stuff, I'm doing it through Twitter. So it's at Delandra Mesa. I have to say I'm I'm doing a little break right now, but I will very smartly. Yeah, I just can't right now. It's so crazy. Everyone's everything's crazy. So I just not me personally, but just um, news in general was too much. So I'm taking a break, but I will be back. 
And you can also, we're waiting to start filming the third season of Step Up. That's just the show that I work on now. It'll be on Stars. We're going to start filming in January. And uh, cool. looking out for the third season of Step Up on Stars. And as always, you can keep in contact with Fuckboys of Lit on Twitter and most major platforms with the username Fuckboys of Lit, that's B-O-I-S, and at fuckboysoflit.com. You can find us once again on Patreon at patreon.com slash fuckboysoflit, where our extra content like weekly bonuses, videos, and interview extras will be available for $5 and up patrons. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out using the contact form on our website or via Twitter, where I lurk basically all day. I'm Emily Edwards, and have a good one. But it needs to be all about the bromance.